Podcast 182. Phil Schaus drops by. We're having Phil for Christmas, right, Gary? I can never have my fill of Phil. <laughs> if, if you didn't get your fill at Thanksgiving, you're getting your fill today. So. <laughs> That's right. Here I am. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. <clears throat> can you hear me? I, I can hear you. I can good. hear I can hear everybody too. Can you hear oh, me? Oh good. We can. Fantastic. Welcome back to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and as usual I'm joined by Gary Schaller. I'm happy to join you, my friend. And today we are joined by friend of the show. I, I I think it's it's safe to say that we're friends. We we've even held hands. So Phil Schaus, welcome back yep. to your podcast. That's very safe to say, Ken and Gary. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be back. Always a pleasure. It is fantastic to have you on the other end of the, the horn here. And you've got some cool stuff coming up. And let's get the plug out of the way first. We'll do it up front and we'll do it towards the end. That's the way you do it, right? Hot. That, anyway. That is right. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've got something called the Kissmas Masquerade Live. Now, you want to tell us all about this? Uh, yeah, December 18th and 19th in Sarasota, Florida, uh, over the, those two days, is uh, the Kissmas Masquerade. It's a Kiss Expo of sorts. It's a definitely an adjusted Kiss Expo. It isn't going to be the full-blown things we're used to. Um, Neil Davis and I uh, kind of started working on this together, and it's, uh, it's going to have the talisman, which is... Ryan Cook, Jeremy Asbrock, and myself. All powerful and attractive men. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, we'll be there. Uh, Rick Derringer is going to be there doing some things that are, have never been done before in history. Um, our uh, good friend Jean Bavois is going to be there playing with us. Bruce awesome. Kulik and Todd Kearns are going to be live streaming. And so what it is, it's a combination in-person expo and a global live stream obviously global um and so it's uh gonna be like an old paper pay-per-view event you know because really the live streaming idea is nothing new how many tyson fights did you pay-per-view how many wrestlemanias did you pay for to watch so it's the same kind of concept as that you know just for now everybody can do it but this isn't going to be you know us playing hey y'all here's a virtual tip jar um, with a with a phone streaming, this is going to be a complete production. Meat Hook is going to do in the live stream, um, and it's going to be fantastic. So if you're around the area of Sarasota or could get there, it may be already sold out. There weren't because of obvious the world we live in now and the circumstances, weren't many in person tickets available, and the safety level for this show. Uh, has been doubled and tripled down. Neil has done an amazing job with making sure everybody comes, everybody's going to be safe. We're all getting tested at the show, and the venue is laid out so great for social distancing. It's really going to be a, a, a good experience. This definitely isn't like a screw you and your regulations and your 5G towers and your Bill Gates and your conspiracy <laughs> theories and stuff. We're not... We're not doing that. We're, we're, we're going by the book. We're even going past the book uh, and making sure everybody has a good time. Uh, so the tickets may be already out at this point, but of course the live stream tickets are um, 
are unlimited. So wherever you are in the world, you're going to be able to watch it for 48 hours after you purchase. And I think it's for $12. And if you buy a ticket before tomorrow, I think you're going to get five raffle tickets to win a uh, an Axe base. It's going to be a Gene Simmons replica Axe base of Neil's personal collection. We're all going to sign it. I'm going to play it during a song for a tune during one of our sets. So um, extra stuff always. And uh, it's going to be a good time. A lot of fun stuff. Lots of panels that are going to be there. And uh, if you get the live stream, you're going to get to see all of it. Fantastic. Let me read this blurb here. Uh, you know, if, if you're thinking about a band that should be pro-mask, it's Kiss, right? They had the album Unmasked, but then there's also the rest of the time that they spent made up, right? So, Well, and then, you know, hang on, Ken, I just want to say, you know, think about all the time they spent without the makeup that we were all in the audience saying, put the masks on. that's all we wanted you know you would see gene and them coming out of studio 654 or whatever Mm -hmm. they'd always Mm -hmm. have the mask on their face and i just covered up my face when i said that they really were trendsetters yeah way back then they were they were i'm surprised gene doesn't copyright it that's a good idea i'm sure he's on that forgot to give the website uh the website is kissmas 2020 kissmas 2020.com Mm-hmm. any and all questions can be answered right there all right well here's the official blurb i have kissmas masquerade live streaming event on december 18th and 19th featuring bruce kulik todd kearns rick derringer john bouvois the talisman enough is enough kiss america and more get live streaming tickets at www.kissmas2020.com early bird special tickets are twelve dollars per device this one-of-a-kind online event is airing live on december 18th and 19th if you miss the live stream you'll have 48 hours to watch what you miss so you don't have to feel tied to your computer right then and there you can you can get your virtual ticket and enjoy the kissmas love because it tis the season, Kissmas, right? It's, it's that time of tis year. Tis the season. It's that time of year when the world falls in love and people put on their mask. But it, seriously, it's, it's great that you'll be able to do this in the safety of your home. It'll be, it'll be very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're bringing the expo to you, so to speak. So um... Putting the X back in expo. X in expo. I, I know I'm when not, you, that's clapping. That's great. Now, when you said that it was safer than usual than uh, most of the Kiss Expos, that just means that the orgy room will not be near the buffet, right? Exactly. Full full body condoms. Only be, yeah, exactly. Full body <laughs> condoms. Uh, lots of things got done. The kissing booth will be there, but with masks only. <laughs> Now, it's really, uh, Neil has really, really, really gone above and beyond anything I've seen so far uh, with any show that I've done or been involved in during this period. So, And uh, the layout of that, if you have questions about it, if you're thinking about coming to the show in, to, uh, in person, there's a layout of the uh, venue and the seating chart uh, on the website as well. So you can get all the information there. And while we've had some fun with the idea of wearing masks and stuff like that, we do want all of our listeners to be safe and care for one another. It's it's very important, right, Phil? That's very important. Uh, that's why we're. I wanted to make sure that people knew that 
you know, we're not, this isn't like a, you know, middle finger to regulations and all that stuff. We're totally abiding by the rules and making some, um, you know, because of this, I'm probably going to have to say this at some point, you know, everybody knows me and Ryan and Jeremy are the most approachable guys. Come say hey to us. This may be a little bit different. Uh, not nothing personal, maybe to some of you, but not all of you. Totally kidding. Um, <laughs> we, we, we may we may be a bit more out of reach at the show, and it isn't anything again. Um, like we don't like you. You know we love you. We know we love seeing you, taking pictures and chatting and catching up because we miss everybody like crazy. Um, but this one may be us doing the show, our sets, and then kind of going back to our um, our you know out of the out of the public. Nothing personal, but. You know, just because uh, of the time. Hopefully, we'll get to a time where we can all come and hug you, hug you again. So, again, we're making some of you, not all of you. I mean, you know, to drop it to a serious thing for you know, we're we're making these concessions and these sacrifices now because we want to be able to do the fun stuff, get get up close and personal to one another again in the future. And this is like, this is really the only way to do it. I I work at a hospital. This is no joke. Oh, it's super man. scary yeah. and serious. We we really want people to be safe. That's and it's not a. I don't think it's a, like viruses don't care about political affiliation. They, no. they they're taking human lives. This isn't a political thing. It's just right. a safety thing, you know. Yeah, totally. So we'll we'll get back to it. We all wish we could do that, but yeah. you know, by doing this, you know, I'd rather put on the show and not do have to make some compromises than not do the show at all. Right. We're, we we went to get with the show, and. Um, like I, like I said over and over again, if you're thinking about coming to the show, I've never seen anything quite like this uh, as far as safety goes. So everybody's done a really great job. But hey, so something funny that I wanted to share with you guys was when I uh, told some friends that Bruce and Todd were doing a show, that of course started the 80s Kiss song title Christmas mm. uh, change. So we got Bang Bang Yule. Ah! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reason to give is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the X in Xmas. Um, was a great one. Gifted up uh, is always a, is always a, a big hit around the holiday. Uh, those are crazy, crazy lights. Uh, oh. <laughs> so to think of some more. We had some great one. I showed those to Todd, and Todd loved them. So uh, yeah, I wanted to share those with you guys. Strutter would be Santa. You, you, yeah, Santa. You make me rock hard for frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Bang Bang Yule might be that's my favorite one. Really good. Out of, out of that, that's, that's a really good one. Oh, uh, wreath my body. There you wreath go. My wreath my body. <laughs> Phil, you and I actually wrote a Kissmas song. Oh my God. So yes, I hope I, I hope you have the lyrics. You I, have I do, I do. So in in oh. 2021, there should be Todd Kearns, Bruce Kulick, and the Talismans on a Kissmas album. Uh, that that can totally happen. Please. That would be great. Are you going to call it No No Noel? <laughs> no No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh that's fantastic secretly gruel <laughs> no well wait it could be secretly yule and it's about getting the secret santa oh 
my God. Secretly Yule. That's fantastic. Remember the best holiday in the world? Another day above ground day. Don't mm. wait. To, don't look yeah, at the calendar to say, oh, today's uh, tie my shoelaces day. Mm-hmm. Best holiday you can have is waking up in the morning. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. So today we're doing another alliteration. It's Kiss Covers. And by this, we don't mean cover versions of Kiss songs by other artists, but songs that Kiss have actually covered. Sometimes to the chagrin and distaste of Kiss fans. Like, Gary, when you and I were discussing this concept, we talked about a lot of the times, especially during the 80s, when Kiss was unmasked, and they could be humans, because before they were, like, from another galaxy, or from the world of Kiss, which is spelled weird, like, in the Marvel comic. Mm -hmm. I remember being at shows, and Kiss would start playing Led Zeppelin, or playing La Bamba, or, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah, La Bamba was a a big one. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Susanna. Yeah, they played Oh, Susanna. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it it was weird because I remember in the 80s when, like, Kiss would break into Led Zeppelin and, like, some people around me were going, boo! And I was like, why? You know, I'm hearing something rare. You know what I mean? This is... This is something interesting. Even La Bamba was great. And when they covered Hendrix or the Beatles or whatever, it's always been a kind of a joyful thing. But today we're going to look at the potential of making a compilation album out of this. As weird as this is going to sound, this is one of the weirdest Kiss compilations you could ever come up with, featuring songs that Kiss covered that have been under the name of KISS, whether it was on an official KISS album or not. So here's our rules. For example, even though we consider Peter Chris's album a KISS album because it's got the word KISS in the corner, right? All the, all the four sol- 78 solo albums were KISS albums. Mm-hmm. Phil, let me ask you a quick question. The 1978 KISS album, Gene Simmons, is that is the name of that album Gene Simmons? Because he's also the artist, but Kiss is listed as the artist as well. How do you come down on that? Or is the name of the album Kiss and the artist is Gene Simmons? Gene Simmons. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I would think that the name of those records is the actual member because nobody else had anything to do with each other's record. Mm -hmm. Or it could probably be Kiss colon Gene Simmons. You know, that might be the way to kind of unify them because they are kind of in a group and kind of considered Kiss albums, even though each guy had total control over his own record. Mm -hmm. It may be Kiss colon Gene Simmons. Hey, how are... Okay, so a question. I don't know this. In in iTunes, how are they categorized? Like, does it come up under Gene or come up under Ace? I don't know. But like I've seen it both ways, right? Yeah, me too. Yep, yep. And in, in I think in my iMusic, I'm looking at my phone, and I if I look at Kiss artist, uh, yeah, no, check that out. Yeah, the artist is Kiss for Kiss records, but the artist is Gene Simmons for oh. I think I think, and I could be wrong. So then, what's the name of the album? Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, Phil, you're right. It, it's here's what it is. It's even weirder than that. The artist it says is Kiss colon Paul Stanley, and the album title is Paul Stanley. So oh. I think 
yeah, it's kind of an, a, a, an amalgam of the two. But I'll tell you what my experience was in record stores, and I'm sure it was true for you, you fellows as well, is I would go into record stores and look at the and browse the Kiss LPs, and those so- solo albums would be in there. They are Kiss records. Right. They'd be in the Kiss section, sure. Yeah. I, I always think of them as Kiss albums. I think of it as, uh, you know, as something done under the Kiss banner. But it is a it is a back and forth thing. I, I know that people go back and forth on it. I, I, I know I put them with my Kiss records. Yeah, I'd mind too. Mind too. Yeah. And it seems like the closer you come to an answer, the more lost you are in the question. So it's... Which is why it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. But you were saying, Ken, about the Peter Chris solo album, even though... You're saying there's certain rules that we follow here in terms right. of what, what we so you so and you, and to your point you were mentioning, you know, for instance that although the Peter Chris solo album has is a both a Peter Chris album and a Kiss album, mm-hmm. are you saying we don't include something like uh, Tossin' and Turnin' or we don't include? No, no, no. We do include Tossin' and Turnin', but what we don't include are songs that Peter Chris had a co-write on. So, for example, King of the Nighttime World, which was a song before Destroyer, has a co-write with Paul Stanley, so that invalidates it for this discussion. Right. Well, I don't... That's the one... That's, I thought Kim Fowley wrote that solo. I, that was the one I thought of. Is Paul on that? Yeah. Wow, okay. Paul and Bob, the one too, I thought right? of. Yeah, Paul and Bob, basically to have it on the album, they got a co-write. Well, they wrote some, uh, they threw okay. some lyrics in there, yeah. Bob did some arranging. But I, but I also figure that, that, that part of why we're not doing that song, and tell me if this makes sense, is that, and I could be wrong, I don't think that that song was ever released commercially, commercially excuse me, prior to Destroyer. And the same goes for Is That You? Right, because uh, I, I think I think Nighttime World was. Oh, yeah, it was. Huh. It was. Okay. Yeah, but I can't, I can't think of the band name, but it, that was on a. It was because Kim Fowley wrote wrote it. Right, 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 right. Okay. I can't think of the can't think of the group. And then Kiss got a hold of it, and they added stuff. And same with Rock and Roll Hell. Right, it was written by Brian Adams and the guy from BTO, and Gene said. You know, this would be a great song. We just need a few more words here. So yes. So those songs don't count. It had to be released with the Kiss name on it somewhere, somehow. All right. Okay. So if there's any we miss or whatever, let us know. We're going to start out with the very first Kiss album and go back to our history. The first Kiss album came out, and this song was not on it, but they wound up adding it. So we go back to Kissin' Time. It's the first one. We're kissing in Cleveland, Kansas City, too. And if you look at this as like all of these songs put together, it's going to make the weirdest Kiss compilation of all time, right? (laughs) So we kick off with Kissin' Time, when the debut album by Kiss was released, it didn't actually have this on it. It was added later, 
We all know that story. Everybody that's into history knows that story. But I've heard some people badmouth this song, but I kind of wonder how much it would affect our enjoyment of the album Kiss if it weren't on it. Phil, what are your thoughts on Kiss in Time? I like it. It fits the, the, the classic rock and roll vibe of that first record. Uh, even though it sounds like nothing to lose. Like the chorus mm-hmm. of that and Kiss in Time are really similar in the kind of the same kind of boogie, you know, fi- almost 50s sounding rock and roll. Uh, I really like it. Um, I think they did a good job. It makes sense. I can see why they wouldn't want to, but I can see why Neil Bogart would want that on there at the same time. But mm-hmm. I like their version of it. I think it's a fun song. Gary? I love it. And I think there's something, we've talked about this before, like the the Happy Gene era of Kiss, where like he always looks like he's smiling, but he's going to bite you. <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because like, it's yeah. even creepier. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's that it's that weird combination that made them so interesting in the beginning of like, come here, we want you to join us so we can hurt you. Right? Like, <laughs> right? Or, or do something else to you. Right? My, and, what uh, big eyes you have. That, you see, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. exactly. Right. And there's something with that song. It's a really happy lyric. But it's got that kind of menacing, like, junk and junk and junk and junk. And it, you know, like deuce, you know. I love it. And, and, get to, and Ace's guitar playing on that. Is the, that solo is one of those inexplicable early Ace solos that where he just is going nuts on the fretboard. And I adore mm-hmm. that. I adore it. And, and the vocals, especially Peter, unbelievable. Yeah. I like when they all kind of go around and sing. I love those <laughs> that, that those Kiss songs where they all kind of take turns. And, and that's a throwback to, you know, early 60s stuff. And, which they all loved, and it just fits the record really well. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's it's a fun track. And, you know, you almost get the feeling that they were taking a piss out of it at on some level, but then their professionalism kind of took over. It seemed like they didn't really want to do it, but then you still got to put a kick-ass solo on it, right? So it's going to be on the album. So there it is. Right. Part of history now, kissing time. And then we don't get a cover on a Kiss album for a very long time, if we look at these rules, because we've stepped over King of the Nighttime World, which is a co-write mm-hmm. at this point. And then this brings us to one of the most controversial songs in all of the world of Kiss, I think, and it's Then She Kissed Me Off Love Gun.
then she kissed me off Love Gun. Thoughts, Phil? This is the one I skip. And it's the last song on the album. So it's an easy one to skip. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a big, I'm not a big fan of this version. Um, it almost sounds like it could have gone on Paul's solo record. Mm-hmm. If he wanted to do a, you know, a cover on that song. Yeah, not a big fan of this one. This is probably one of the ones I like the least. Gary? I wonder if that's Paul, now that you mentioned that, you, you have the, the the wheels turning, Phil. I wonder if that's Paul playing the lead on it, too, those harmonies. Uh, the, mm-hmm. um, it really sounds like him, right? I would go, I would go with, yeah, I would go with, yeah, probably, because yeah. I, know, I know talking with Gene about the recording of a lot of that stuff, a lot of those songs aren't all four members of Kiss playing on that stuff. A lot of it's Gene playing guitar, Ace playing bass. Paul would play all the guitars on some of his stuff. So it was just, yeah. And you can kind of, you can definitely tell. I think that's all Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I think that I have the benefit in this way of, of that having just been a kiss song for me, because I think when I got the, when I got the cassette in whatever year I got the cassette of love gun, um, I didn't know that that was a cover. And I think it wasn't until maybe my mother or father heard it, that they were like, you know, that that's an old rock and roll song. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I like the um, oh, what are those things called? Castanets. Yes. Is that yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. because it's Kiss, it's spelled with a K. So Castanets. <laughs> Castanets. Or maybe it would be Kistanets. Kistanets. Kistanets available for nineteen ninety nine on KissOnline.com. <laughs> Kistanets. I, I like a lot of the they, they. I don't know. You and I can have talked about how that record really dips into I think Kisses or Jeans. I don't know. Love of Motown. And a lot of the mm. extra per- percussion, like the um, the congas on um, Almost Human, and the yeah, like, like that album dips back. And then the the you know the background singers on Tomorrow and Tonight, the key the the piano on Christine Sixteen. So for me, I feel like yeah. uh, I mean it is definitely like if there's a song that's a skipperoo on that record, I'm with you, Phil. It'd, it'd probably be that one, but. Um, for me, I just associate it with the wrap-up of that very like retro-sounding record. So I, I don't end up skipping it. I like it. Yeah, well, good point. Well, it was really in the water then. Yeah, it was really in the water in the sense that nostalgia was a big thing. I mean, Grease was a thing. Shanana was a thing. Right, right. Oh, Beatlemania was yeah, yeah, happening. Yeah. All this stuff. So Yeah, yeah, you're right. Christine 16, for all intents and purposes, is a big bopper song, right? So this is nothing new for Kiss. You know, they've always went back to their their roots and their influences. So, But the whole album of Love Gun, if you really take a look at Love Gun, the whole album is pretty much that kind of a thing it, th- through the filter of 70s hard rock. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's a good point when you look at everything else going around it with the, the th- other throwback stuff. When did Grease come out? Was that? Did you mention Grease? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And American Graffiti and Happy Days. And... Happy Days, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so easy to look at a band like Kiss, um, and I guess with any band, and just and isolate that. It's like, well, they were doing that. But you can never take away what else was going on musically and culturally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. everything always affects everything, and you can't remove a band from their place in history, and you can't remove the, their surroundings. So, yeah, that that was definitely in the air. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, Grease the movie would come out the following year, but the the Broadway, Broadway musical play, was yeah. yeah, it was like 1971, yeah. 
Happy Days was already on on the air. So yeah. Oh yeah. Good call. Mm-hmm. Wow. American Graffiti, the Manhattan Transfer was doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sean and Ah was doing their thing. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the the Ramones are pretty much Sean and uh, uh turned yeah, up yeah. on yeah, a Marshall. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's so crazy. They played Woodstock. It is crazy that Sean and I played <laughs> <Yeah>. Woodstock. <laughs> That's weird. But that shows you what was going on culturally. Yeah. Next, we go to what? Alive two now? Mm-hmm. Any way you want alive, it. Alive two. Any way you want it. Yeah. So from Dave Clark five, any way you want it. And we'll play a little bit, uh, because you all have the KISS versions, we're not going to play those. I'm going to play a little bit of the Dave Clark 5 version, in case you never have heard it. There there are KISS fans who may have never heard this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So this was on Alive 2. You know, there's one thing that I want to talk about as to why there were, I feel Kiss was doing covers at this time. I think the reason that Then She Kissed Me wound up on Love Gun and the same reason that Any Way You Want It wound up here is because Kiss was saving some of their songs because they now knew next year we're doing a solo album. Any thoughts to that? Huh. You think? Wow. That's interesting. That's, in, that's interesting. I'm sure that was already on there. I'm sure that was on the radar at that point. It was. Mm. And just, just keep in mind that Paul is like going, wait a second. Do I give one of my songs to kiss at this point? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Phil, you could probably comment on this more just because you've had more conversations with him about this, I imagine. But it seems like the opposite was true for Gene in a way, because a lot of what wound up on Gene's record were songs that that he demoed and pitched, demoed for and pitched to Kiss as potential Kiss songs. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It was yeah. Gene's had a lot of like leftover ideas that he just kind of went back and grabbed and um, and you know made a record with. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. I may have we may have asked him at one point if anything new was written, but I mean we've all got so many demos and and everything. The vault has everything, I think, mm-hmm. and a lot. Yeah, most of those tunes were are were already kind of in the you know being being shuffled around in the water. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on any way you want it, Phil Schaus? I really like any way you want it. I love how they pretty much did a spot on cover of it. They were even the reverb and when, mm-hmm. when the Dave Clark five, when that version came out, the Dave Clark five version, that reverb was a big deal. That was a big technological advancement to how they got the, uh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. on the vocal, how it was kind of in time. That was a big deal. And I love how they pretty much reproduced it. Like they just did a spot on cover. They didn't do much kiss stuff. They didn't kiss it up too much, but yeah, I love this.
Now, Phil, a question I have for you is that last note that you hear where they do that rave up to the end. Is that an homage to the Beatles? Because it's not exactly how Dave Clark Five ended it, but it's that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it has to, it, it has to be because those guys were all such such massive Beatles heads. I mean, that yeah yeah, 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 and the you know the good the good Beatles ending chord with like a six in there or something. Uh, you know, half of the uh, probably half of the music discussions we had with Gene were about the Beatles, and all those guys are the same when it when it when it comes to the Beatles, and that that had to be a, a little tip of the hat to them. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful to Gene for I, I, he was a DJ or guest DJ on some show, got a, a dec- decade or two ago, uh, playing some of his favorite tunes. And one of them that he played was um, Friday on My Mind by the Easy Beats. And I'm so grateful because it, it's because of him that I got turned on to that song. I know that there's like I think there's like a Bowie version of it. Maybe I'm wrong, but there like lots of people have mm-hmm. covered it. Springsteen did an amazing version of it live. But that's such a kick-ass song. Anyway, I digress. But uh, so great, so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Gene is such a Gene, and I know the rest of the guys in Kiss. But like, we talked about that music so much with Gene. He just he he, he loves it so much. Mm, it's great. Yeah, I really love any way you want it. But again, it's one of those things like partialing out the the pieces of this. Like I I wouldn't change. I couldn't change a thing about Alive Two, especially Side Four. Is just so. It's such a beautiful, perfect little, and I know, I know, you know, it's not all ace on all the songs and and it's debatable. I've heard people debate whether it's Peter. I think it's Peter, but um, anyway, you want it is perfect. There is also, and I think we've had it on this show. We've played it on the show ages ago, um, a sound check that Kiss did in Argentina, maybe Mm -hmm. back in 94, 95. And the sound check was all covers. Yeah, Hey Joe was one mm. of them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I think oh, so, wow. yeah. And they wrapped it up with uh, Paul and Gene on the mic, a cappella, singing Any Way You Want It. And it was, it's just perfect. It's one of those really perfect uh, soundboard bootleg recordings of Kiss. Any way you want it, you can call me any day. Hey, hey, hey. Any way you want it, you can call me
Thank you. Good night. So now we move on into our Kiss covers journey here. We take a spin into the solo albums from 1978. Let's put a little, some stats on the board. Now, we mentioned earlier that Then She Kissed Me may have been put on Love Gun because Paul was saving stuff for his 78 solo album, if that's the case. His is the only album not to have a cover song on it out of the four original 1978 Kiss solo albums. Mm. Paul's the only one that has all original material. I didn't didn't realize that until just now. Wow. So we're going to go to Peter Chris's often maligned solo album, which I think it gets a bad rap. Uh, I, I think both his and Gene's solo albums get a bad rap. But let's look at Tossin' and Turnin', and here's a little bit of the original version. And I was recently on a show with Aaron Martell, and thank you for having me on as a guest, where we talked about the whole Peter Chris 1978 solo album. Check it out. There will be links in the show notes. Thank you, Aaron. Phil, what are your thoughts on Tossin' and Turnin'? I really like it, and I like Peter's record. I just got the, the solo album box reissue, vinyl box set on the colored vinyl, mm-hmm. and I listened to all of them. And I really, for the first time, really enjoyed Peter's record. But I've tried before, (laughs) you know, made a bad face. It's like, uh, but if you listen to it and don't try to listen to it as a kiss album and try to listen to it as just like a record like that Peter would make. And I like all the kind of loungy feel and, you know, you can, you know, your shoulders start moving and doing all those dances and everything. And yeah, (laughs) I I like it. And I really like his version of tossing and turning. Mm -hmm. Yes. The old Bobby Lewis song from 1961 so it was really neat there's something that this album and the next song are going to talk about have in common but we'll get there but uh it to me this is a fun song i look at peter chris's album as almost two different records there's like the uh b-grade bob seeger album that's in there because (laughs) you know (laughs) you know because a lot of it is um what I mean, if Bob Seger would have recorded a lot of the songs that are on the 78 Peter Chris album, people would have thought, oh, man, that's a great Bob Seger song. Damn, uh, man, that's a really great comparison. That's awesome. <laughs> and the other side of it is that Peter Chris was way ahead of the curb. He kind of made a Yacht Rock album, like what is now looked upon as Yacht Rock, but it's really easy, a great, easy listening album. So I almost look at it as two different EPs, one Peter Chris doing an homage to like 50s and 60s rock and roll. And then there's this album of things like Don't You Let Me Down and, you know, mm-hmm. just some great stuff that's on there. 
his definitely is the smoothest of the four solo albums. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it didn't have the Kiss thing, it could have been two sides of Peter Chris, and one side would be his normal face, and the other side would have the makeup on it. See, it was an early concept that he later wound up using. Yeah. Gary Schaller, your thoughts on tossing and turning? I really like it, but I have to tell you that one of the things that has shaped my my thoughts on the song is the story that you've told on this show, Ken, about your second Kiss concert. And I don't know if you want to just quickly uh, revisit that, but uh, <laughs> I, I think about you sitting in the audience while they perform this. We will, and it's coming up. <laughs> we have to talk about Ace Fraley's contribution to this list, and that is New York Groove. groove and earlier i said that there's a certain distinction that both of these songs have and they were both played by kiss live on stage there's not a lot of these songs that were played live by kiss on stage as part of the dynasty tour you know gene didn't bust out his version of when you wish upon a star right but uh and not until not until we were in the band Oh my God! I'll tell that. I'll tell that when we get to it. <laughs> mm. You know, it's weird because Paul did his version of "Shop Around," the old Miracles song. Move on. Uh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Paul does this thing where he takes inspiration and immediately writes a song from it. Right. 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 Firehouse. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like there's stories of Paul listening to the FM radio station, and he didn't have a recorder. So he would sit there and listen to a song like Fire Brigade and try to remember it and play along with it. And then by the time he's done, he's got a song called Firehouse, you know, whether it's uh, Freeze All Right Now, which turns into Hotter Than Hell or Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, which turns into Hard Luck Woman. Right. So in this sense, uh, Shop Around by The Miracles is pretty much move on. It's the same story rewritten for 70s hard rock so and i think it's cool that he admits it that that this is how his process is right even gene he'll Mm -hmm. admit like deuces bitch backwards kind of right Mm. yeah gene went through all the our whole set list one day and told where he got every riff from (laughs) that's awesome it was really cool it was and some of them were like well we knew that one and some of them were definitely uh, surprises 
Fantastic. So our thoughts on New York Groove, Phil Schaus. New York Groove, I mean, what a great version. So great, I still have not ever listened to the Hello version. <laughs> I've never heard it. Interesting fact, I was in a group called Hello when I was in college, and we didn't know there was another one. Anyway, I digress. No, man, uh, what a great version. Um, I think they didn't, Ace wasn't a big fan of this at the time of the recording, uh, but it was definitely the biggest hit of the four records. Played every single show that Ace has played since. We mm-hmm. play it every night. It's always fun. The crowd loves it. It's a great shuffle. And, you know, this the storyline and, and the lyrics fit Ace to a T. You know, that guy's New York to the bone. So it's a great tune. Great tune. And, you know, uh, like the rest of Ace's solo record, everything sounds perfect. Every instrument, every all the tones are perfect. It's just, uh, it's a great, it's a great, cool rock record. Mm-hmm. Gary Schaller. Yeah, I really love that uh, version. I, I think the closest they ever got to really capturing it as a Kiss live song may have been in Australia or on that tour, I guess, with Eric Carr. Yeah, it's great. I, I, as a native New Yorker, Bronx-born uh, kid, I, I adore the lyric. I think that Ace captures it perfectly. I love that, like that phaser or flange. I don't know what it is. The like, you know, like that. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. A great, great, great cover. Um, and and honestly, Phil, the the hello version is very good. I think the Ace version does uh, what needed to be done with that song. Let's just it's say. one of those things that I always mean to listen to that because we play it every night, and I just always forget. It's like I gotta listen to the original version one day. Uh, one thing that always cracks me up when we're playing it with Ace is when he'll like because he does all the you know, and when we're singing the chorus. He'll pipe in all the other stuff, and every time he goes, 42nd Street, always makes me laugh <laughs> for some reason. And, of course, there's times when he's like, like if you guys are playing Sheboygan, Sheboygan, you know, he yeah, yeah. <laughs> throws in the local color, if you will, the local town name. Back in the Sheboygan groove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which isn't quite as groovy as the New York groove. That's but, right. You know. We oh, they still get, love Sheboygan. They get down at Sheboygan, man. <laughs> maybe I went to the wrong place. Maybe, maybe, maybe Gary's got all the cool, uh, cool leads in Sheboygan. Of course he does. Now, <laughs> up next is one of the most controversial songs in all of Kistem. It's When You Wish Upon a Star from Gene's 78 solo album. Here's a tiny bit of the original. that is Jiminy Cricket. I think this is also the first song on our countdown, which was previously sung by an animated cartoon character. 
<laughs> Maybe the only one. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's not true. There's that. There's an outtake from um, Sleeping Beauty where um, Aurora sings Plaster Caster. Oh well, I oh. forgot. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's oh, a that's... beautiful scene. I don't know why they didn't include it. That's the director's cut. DVD, yes. Right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Actually, that was in the sequel to Pinocchio, in which he, in the first, it was a toy who wanted to be a boy, but then when he became a man, it was when his plaster caster happened. Lie to me. Lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you wish upon a star, Phil Schaus. Um, I don't know. Before before I met Gene and talked to him and, and kind of knew the the basis of putting this song on the record, I really didn't dig it. But now knowing him, um, it really meant a lot to him to, for, to put this on the record because it really, this kind of is his life story. As cheesy as, as that sounds, it really is when you look at Gene and his childhood, where he came from and what he became. It really is his life. And he sings incredible on it. Mm-hmm. His vocal is just fantastic. Um, we did play this one time. Uh, my idea was always as soon as rock and roll night ends, um, the sound guy plays this over the PA, right? And it never happened until Australia, but he had the idea at some casino in the extreme North Wisconsin or Minnesota that we do this after heart, after rock and roll night. And we thought, oh, cool, you mean as we're leaving the stage, we'll kind of shake hands and wave. And she goes, no, 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 no. Turn your guitar's volume down and play the chords. And we're looking at each other like, how do we talk him out of this? Is we know how this is going to go. And, well, we didn't talk him out of it. And it didn't go well. (laughs) It was just very awkward. We're playing along. And, you know, if you got, like, you know, Leo Kotke doing it on acoustic guitar, maybe that would have worked. A really cool Mm -hmm. jazz arrangement. That would have been great. Us three knuckleheads trying to make trying to make sense out of that and make a cool arrangement didn't quite work out well. So we tried that. We did it once and never did it again. Well, I'll tell you, uh, that may not have worked, but you guys did a couple things that really made me smile when you guys covered the Beatles. Yeah, we did. Uh, You're going to lose that girl and help. Yes, we did. And one day... He made because we were doing this at sound check. Jeremy Brent and I were doing, I think, this boy. And oh, he, wow. we, he really loved it. He was like, Oh, wow, great. Because we all knew that stuff and we would talk about it all the time. So he made us do it at the show and it didn't go near as well as it did at sound check. Do you get a sense that maybe, maybe it's neither, but is Gene more of a Paul guy or a John guy? You know, I probably think John. And I'm only saying it because of this. When I was listening to Creatures of the Night a lot during that period, um, Saint and Sinner, I was kind of like focusing on that song a lot. I was like, hey, what a cool song. Mm. And the, the vocal melody hit me. It's like, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I said, are you doing John Lennon? Mm. On that? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he goes, now I have to kill you, which means I was right. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you listen to Saint and Sinner, and if you can think of like solo John Lennon singing that, you're like, oh man, it's a total yeah. Lennon melody. You can even kind of like imagine the slapback delay on his on the vocal, and you're like, this is an easily a Lennon track. Oh, just put great. in a hard rock song. But I probably just because he said that, we never did talk about the favorite Beatle 
but I'm just kind of going with John just because of that one song. Well, and then he, you know, a lot of the like the Beatle-y stuff that he did in Kiss, like um, Journey of a Thousand Years, right, is a song that uh, yeah, I, and has, a solo record. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of like John sounding stuff. Although like some of the harmonies yeah. there, he gets like a lot of George and Paul. Anyway, blah blah blah. But right. yeah, I love when you wish upon a star. I I um. Phil, you, you may or may not know this. I know uh, Ken has heard this. Our listeners, if they've heard it before, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, the Gene solo album is the first record I ever bought. And uh, I was like five years old. I had looked at Kiss Records a million times in the store. And this is the one I, I that that spoke to me for whatever reason. I brought it home. I'd never, I had no preconceived notions other than this looks scary and interesting. Right. And and it started scary and interesting. And then it was just one amazing pop song after another. I adore that record. Um, I do too. I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. And, and, uh, and it's just, uh, especially if you go into it and you don't like, I, I didn't know what rock and roll was supposed to sound like. So I didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't deviate hard. And then I knew the song when you wish upon a star, but I didn't know if that's what he was going to do or how he was going to do it. So when I got to the end of the record and it was this really straight version of it, yeah, where you can almost hear the tears through the through the vinyl, um, I can't listen to that without getting choked up. And, and and that's just a visceral thing, even before knowing its significance to him on a personal level. Like for me, it's just this childhood memory that I can't get away from so i love that song and i can imagine it being a train wreck live so <laughs> yeah it was i'd always i'd always gun for it to be like our walk-off music which you which was in australia it worked great in australia but playing it yeah and it yeah. was that day we didn't need it was like i think after sound check he goes why don't we try we were done sound checking so we had kind of had to just figure it out like uh okay here goes nothing and right. uh, yeah, we didn't do it again. And then someone had to get the poster boards and write the lyrics down for him. So <laughs> yes, uh, you know what? I think he may have known those those lyrics because I don't think Jeremy had to write those. But all the ones, all the non-standard Kiss tunes that we did, Jeremy had to write the lyrics out because he had the best handwriting of the three of us. Oh. So that was his job. But I think he remembered those. <laughs> I remember right. I have to ask Jerry about that. Mm. And, you know, I want to send a shout out to your buddy who I met in St. Lou, who you grew up with, who kind of turned you on to Kiss. And he, uh, I think he was responsible for putting the uh, things up that night in St. Louis. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, he was. Brad McCorder, a.k.a. Brad Breath, um, was, <laughs> the, was the cue card guy that, that night. Fantastic. Ken, are you gonna are you gonna tell the Dynasty tour story? Sure. It was kind of weird because uh, my uncle had taken me to see Kiss previously, right? Like there was Destroyer and Love Gun and da 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 da, da right? So, and and he had seen Kiss like on like in Youngstown I, with like in a small club. So he had seen Kiss go from this really dark thing that he didn't know anything about to kiss because by the time you get to the dynasty tour everything's colorful and cold and sterile because that stage i mean you just look at it, it looks cold it's white you know what i mean it, it, it yeah like angel should have played on that stage <laughs> right. yes wow so 
I remember my uncle at at this point he's like Kiss is doing a disco song and all this stuff. So he was not really into it, but he he supported me and my brother and took us to see the show. And uh we went, it was great, we were having a good time and I sat there the whole time just staring at you know like with such an intense stare and at the end of the concert he says to me what didn't you enjoy it and i said i just didn't want to miss a single detail i was just mm. you know the observer mode i remember during tossing and turning he looked at me because there's kiss and they're doing this song and he's like digging that it's a like this is a song he knew from his teenage years right so he's he's like digging it, but then he sees Gene Simmons approach the mic and go, <laughs> doo, 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 doo. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me! What is this Bee Gees bullshit?" I mean, he didn't say it because the concert was going on, but just that look was like, "You gotta fucking be kidding me!" You know, but because he wasn't listening to the solo albums at that point, but uh, it was just that moment. Making the demon sing do 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 is is a is a it's a big ask you know it's sort of like <laughs> when Gene talks about you know and I was made for loving you that he's gonna do the like do 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 what's my part <laughs> you know Gene always gets this like reputation of being a hard ass right or whatever but he, I think he's the most accommodating person within the Kiss frame. As far as mm-hmm. sure, if that's what if that's what we're doing, fine. It's kind of like uh, you see this by who's in the band. Like for example, if Peter Chris is in the band, nobody can say anything bad about Peter Chris. Peter Chris is out of the band, nobody can say anything bad about Eric Singer. <laughs> Eric Singer, right? So, yeah. so it's that sort of thing. So mm. he's faithful to his gang, whatever his gang is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally. It's just like he's faithful to you guys. He loved you guys so much and, uh, you know, set you up with Ace. So it it all worked out. Yeah. So our next one is one of, when you talk about covers, it's one that people seem to love. It's off Kiss Dynasty. It's the Rolling Stones 2000 Man.
Phil Shosh, your thoughts on 2000 Man? Uh, a great enough version that it became kind of Ace's signature song. Mm-hmm. I like this one way better than the Stones version. Um, I always love playing it. Uh, the lyrics, it's so it's so funny to read the lyrics now and mm-hmm. think about it was written. It was written in probably 66 or 67 and how all of those things are true. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that was just future, you know, back then, but like, wow, no man, all of those things are real. We played it uh, last night. Um, the talisman did an acoustic gig here in Decatur, Alabama, where I am now. And uh, I was thinking about it as the lyrics were going by, like, having an affair with a random computer, like, wow, man, we're, yep. we're living this song. Yeah. Um, yeah. I absolutely love the song. It's one of my favorite ones to play. Um, Cause we kind of, even with Ace vocally, we use the unplugged version cause we put the three part harmonies in the choruses. And that, I, I love the unplugged version so much of this song uh, because of the three part, vo- three part harmony in the vocals. And yeah, it's a great tune. Um, Nothing bad to say at all about this one. It's great. So we know what Phil does in his spare time. He has affairs with random computers. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Lots of he's made a lot of Russian bots really, really happy. <laughs> Hot. Gary, your thoughts on <laughs> <laughs> Gary, your thoughts on two thousand man. I think it's great. I uh when I got Dynasty, my first time hearing Dynasty was incomplete because um Mason Goldberg in fifth grade copied it onto a cassette for me and he left off. I was made for loving you because he was like, you know what? You don't need this shit. (laughs) You know, like I didn't, I hadn't heard that song either. And I love that song, but he was like, the the first track is garbage. Listen to the rest of this. So my copy of dynasty started with 2000 man. And I thought it was great. I still think it's great. I again, didn't know at the time that it was a cover. So, you know, to Phil's point earlier, the lyrics, so, uh, so suited the the space ace character mm-hmm. that I thought it was just a brilliant piece of songwriting. And yeah, the unplugged when they all kick in together on that song on unplugged, that is such a magic kiss moment of of reunion uh, that yeah. it, that I, I get kind of choked up hearing it. So this is just the show about me getting choked up, apparently. Yes. <laughs> and some people hearing some of these covers are choking up for another reason. <laughs> So, Gary, your friend Mason subscribed to the Friends Don't Let Friends Drive Drunk theory, except it's Friends Don't Let Friends Listen to I Was Made for Loving You. Well, that, you know, that's okay because the following year I got Killers on LP. So it all worked out in the end because I think my copy had I Was Made for Loving You on it. So we're good. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Mason. We're good. Yeah. So what I had next on our list actually turns out it it doesn't apply, but is that you off unmasked because there was no actual uh, 45 ever released of this or song released of this on vinyl or anything anywhere. Right. So it was, they, they weren't covering, they were performing for the first time as far as people knew. So that one's invalidated. Unless I'm wrong. And I, and I did the research this week. I looked and looked online and I, I don't couldn't find anything either. Yeah. 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 What was the story with the writer? Did what? Did he have any other hits? Or anybody know anything about the writer of the song? Gerard McMahon. Yeah, Gerard McMahon. I don't know if he had you know capital H hits, but I think he wrote both for himself and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the original version of this, if you if you listen to the demo, you could find it all day long on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, has a real Rolling Stones flavor, not just in terms of the the guitars and the arrangement. 
But even in his delivery of some of the, like he sings it in a real like Jagger way. Uh, but yeah. it's it's cool to hear. It's very it's different Sassy. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a cool tune. I think Kiss did a great job with it. I love Is That You. I <laughs> love it. Love all of it. I think Paul's vocal is great. Yeah, I dig it. The weird thing is is uh, is that I thought that Paul must have had something to do with writing this. This tells you how messed up I was, okay? Because this album came out, uh, I think, May 25th, the, the year that it came out. My birthday. So, you know, there's a mm. lot of cool things that happen in Kiss on my birthday, and it, it it always makes uh, fun around birthday time. And Star Wars was released. It, yes, in 1977. Yes. Wow. Which, oddly enough, prior to the Star Wars being released on that day was Ken Mills Day, known globally. But That's once right. Star Wars came out, it's thank. I was so grateful that May the Fourth Be With You kind of took over. <laughs> yes. That I could have my day back. So anyway, but thanks, the, George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> George. <laughs> but the weird thing about this is is that I also believed that like, wow, Peter Chris has really changed his style of drumming. I also believed that Paul must have written this and he didn't put his name on it because he didn't want Gene to be mad at him, but he's really singing about Cher. Like like he's mad at Cher for hurting his friend. Wow. That's I love great. I love that. This is what happens when you don't have cable and you're stuck in the middle of Andover, Ohio, or Williamsfield, Ohio, depending on the house I was in at the time. And, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're just by yourself. This is back when we used to have time to think. Remember those days? Now, nowadays, you would post all those online and it'd be a huge conspiracy theory now. It would be a kispiracy. It would be a kispiracy theory. Kispiracy. Yeah. With and, a capital uh, K. It's so funny what you think of as kids because you don't understand how a band works and you're like, oh, well, that must be – you make all these stories up to mm-hmm. make it make sense in your own mind. I did the same thing, you know. Hell, we all thought that Kiss recorded in makeup and costume. Like they showed up yeah. at Electric Ladyland, full love gun regalia, and knocked it out. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> you mean they didn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Up next, off of The Elder, which is a concept album, and when usually when you have a concept album, all the songs are created with that concept in mind. Well, not so much with this next song. Odyssey... Odyssey, which was kind of shoehorned into the Elder, and I think masterfully so. I, you know, I know that there's a lot of talk that Bob Ezrin was so high on things, but that guy produced a great album. It sounds amazing, whether you like the material mm-hmm. on it or not. It sounds great. You can't mm-hmm. fault him for that. And I love this song. What do you think of the Odyssey, Phil? 
I love it too. Uh, I'm an elder fan uh, for, you know, for also, you know, just uh, it being an interesting album in the Kiss catalog. Uh, but yeah, as far as honestly, when we, when I got this list, I went and dug back and listened to all these tunes again. And I really like it. It fits in with the quote story unquote loosely. Um, but yeah, I like the song. It's uh, it, it, it's uh, yeah. Like you said, it fits perfectly in there. Even, even though, uh, I guess no member of Kiss had anything to do with writing it at all, but it works. Mm. You know, it does. It and it and it uh, it has that kind of sense of like longing and it, you know. I what I will say is that it works better. The way that the album was released commercially in 1981, where that song is at the end of the story, I think works better uh, than what Kiss intended. Uh, which is to have it as like the third song, I think, right? Uh, which is now, if you go buy the CD now or download it now, it's it's track three, I think. But I think it works really well at the end of the story. Um, it's a great song. Um, uh, Tony Powers is also from the Bronx, a little plug. Um, and he has a ton of co-writing uh, cred. He, he even wrote with Ellie Greenwich, which, you know, what a powerhouse songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just want you guys to know that I am wearing a sundress in honor. There's a can in a sundress. Looking, <laughs> it's a great song. Absolutely, and it fits. I, you know, I got the legs for it, so it all works out. I'll say, hot, hot, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, ting, trademark. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're into the 80s, and as weird as it sounds, Kiss does not do a cover version of anything, really. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, kind of closest they get. It is uh, Little Caesar, right? But it's, again, one of those things where they they rewrite it enough, but Ain't That Peculiar would have been uh, pretty much of a cover, right? Even the demo version that, that wound up on the box set is sufficiently changed enough but if you listen to the who was it it was the rock group fanny and then before fanny it was um i can't remember who did it before fanny but marvin gay did the original ain't that peculiar there you go Which was oddly enough, one of the writers was uh, Smokey from the Miracles, right? Smokey yeah. Robinson. Smokey so, Robinson. You know, it just goes back to that Motown roots of Kiss, which a lot of people don't seem to pick up on. Phil, I'm going to blow your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Always. 
got to choose performed by the temptations mm. Ooh, wow baby boom 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 i know i heard the neighbor say wow oh great. man that's great don't care no i don't no you know. should have been on psychedelic shack yeah oh that's great some soul band's got to do, got to choose, and it'll sound exactly hey, like it's hey, supposed to. What, what, what about Paul Stanley's Soul Station? That would be great. Mm-hmm. They, could, they, could, they could totally do that right then. There's an idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny the 80s, for the most part, was pretty much cover-free. I'm thinking maybe they should have done some more covers on some of those records and brought <laughs> some of those tunes off. <laughs> There's a possibility there. <laughs> After Fanny, Rex Smith did it. This brings us up to Revenge and the soundtrack for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's God Gave Rock and Roll to You, which was an Argent song. Yep. So let's check out a little bit of that original version. Thank you. 
Phil, what are your thoughts on God Gave Rock and Roll to you? I loved it. Uh, of course, you know, hearing this, I heard this before the Argent version. And then going back and, uh, you know, it, it's a good version of the song. It really is. Uh, that's definitely kissed up a lot. And um, it's pretty complicated. There's a lot of twists and turns in, in the, when, you're, when you're learning it to play. If you're going to do the kiss arrangement, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of moving parts in it. Mm-hmm. Not, the, not the easiest song to learn, but the vocals are great in it. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Gary? There, there are a lot of twists and turns. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's very validating because playing along with it on guitar, there's even some sort of like um, you're soloing on one part of the neck and then you have to kind of skip around a bit or like the like there's unexpected things that happen. Yeah, um, some modulations happen really yeah. quickly and go back, and it's yeah, it's a pretty complicated little tune. Yeah, when people say that Kiss music is easy to play, hand them this uh, and go have have fun, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, for sure. Uh, the Hammond organ makes the Argent so- uh, version, the Argent recording, really uh, distinctive, and then you don't get that on the on the Kiss version. I think the right. Kiss version is powerful. I love that break. Yeah where you get the the gorgeous voice of of the late great Eric Carr um kind of really shining through that last that last bit that he did with Kiss is haunting and gives me chills and it's it's beautiful and it's a great song and and I like that they pipe it through the PA as the lights come up at the end of a Kiss concert I think mm-hmm. that that's a cool cool little you know thing that they do and a very mm-hmm. good song very good song and I love the homage to all the young dudes yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tommy, when he does it live, does a little extra there. It's 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 a nice thing, and Bruce is amazing on the original version, and uh, it's it always sounds great. Really plays his ass off on that. Yeah, really, Bruce does a great job. Yeah, love Bruce Kulick here. Love him so much. Yeah. He was our first guest uh, seven hundred years ago when we first did our first podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. What is it, 16 years now? I, I can't remember. 2006 to now. So you do. Oh, know. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. It's been forever. It's been forever. God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too has also an, another important distinction, which is that it is one of my wife's least favorite kiss recordings. So it happens. Wow. It okay. happens. Yeah. 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 She just can't get with that song. Mine hates Unholy. So is that right? Ooh, wow. Yeah. And tell her she's wrong all the time. <laughs> oh, we had uh, the, the Christmas version of that one is It's Holy. <laughs> it's holy. holy. I love it. So, <laughs> Phil, 2021, let's do this. I'm totally down. You know me. I'm, 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 I'm way into it. I love it. It's got to happen. We get Bruce on it, Todd, you three. It's going to be fantastic. A Kissmas record? Is that what you're doing? That's what should happen. As a matter okay, of fact, yeah. while you're down there, you should talk to Rick Derringer, Jean Bouvois, everybody. Yeah, right. Get them all involved. Kissmas Christmas. That's perfect. When you're done with that, can I suggest another project, which is a, 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 a Sting Christmas album that you call Police Navidad? You're welcome. Oh my God. Oh, that's great. That is awesome. <laughs> so Phil, now you know why Courtney Cronin Dold likes Gary so much. So yeah, ab- that's absolutely. very kind. That's shit. <laughs> I, I got I hope Courtney has the list of wines that we can, the kiss wines that we can. <laughs> Pinot, Pinot, no, no. Mm. <laughs> was in there. I, I can't really think of all the other ones. We had a great uh, list. Uh, that's great. Fantastic. 
So now there's a toss-up here be- between which song is the weirder cover song because one could be in contention of When You Wish Upon a Star, but then our follow-up here is the Star-Spangled Banner on Kiss Alive 3. So we've got two cover songs off of Two Alives. We've got mm-hmm. Alive yep. 2, Any Way You Want It, and now Star-Spangled Banner, which is Bruce Kulick's homage to Jimi Hendrix, the great Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. What is your thoughts on the Star-Spangled Banner? And no, I'm not playing an original version of the Star-Spangled Banner. <laughs> Everyone should know that. <laughs> the, the, the Francis Scott Key demo is on YouTube. Yeah. You can find it. <laughs> it's, it's, it used to be really hard to come by. But it's just but, uh, him on a kazoo. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it's uh, the, John, the original John Philip Sousa version. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I remember seeing it live. That was my first Kiss tour to see was Revenge, and and it fit, you know, to start with the Statue of Liberty on the stage, and it just kind of fit. Yeah, it was it was it was cool. Phil, that's crazy. My my, that was my first Kiss tour, seeing them live as well. Are, are you someone oh, who cool. had been a fan for a while, or kind of I, got? I got. I wasn't as much into them when because they came around and on the Hot in the Shade tour, obviously, but I wasn't quite there yet. Mm. And then so I skipped that one, and then Revenge, I was completely in. Yeah. I, you know, I was done at that point. So yeah, that was my first one. Yeah. Paul was no longer wearing white pants, so it was cool after Labor Day. It was right. Yeah, that's right. Ex- exactly. <laughs> were, yeah, the, the the cool guitars are back and they look tough, and, and that was just a great, 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 great tour. Yeah. Thank you, Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue. Right. Right. Exactly. Because had it not been for Guns N' Roses, and because before it was like, how big can we get our hair? How outlandish can we look? We got to look like the cast of the Golden Girls Asylum. I'm looking at you. Whatever Bon Jovi was doing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And and because of uh, Appetite for Destruction and then Motley Crue falling suit with Girls, 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 all of a sudden, every band that we loved wanted to be a biker band. So yeah, that's kind of how we wound up with Biker Kiss. So, Which is as much a costume as any other costumes that they had. You know. Oh, Completely. very much so. Completely, yeah. But it's weird because KISS fans like to look at, like, KISS came back to what they were. It's like, yeah, ah. I, I, I get that, though, because I, do too. I you know, I, I when they when I saw the Unholy video, that's what it it did feel like, that, especially because, God, you know, it had been since I Love It Loud that you had a Gene single. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and I and I, I know I've said this before, but I think it is a missed opportunity, a kissed opportunity that they didn't kissed. do. Yeah, they, that that Gene wasn't the the lead off single, right? Like uh, Back to the Stone Age would have been a great song to promote Monster, but that's that's a yeah, that's another story for another time. Anyway, so Star Spangled Banner, we love it. We love you, Bruce Kulick. You are awesome and. Uh, we cannot rate you high enough and give you enough kudos. Thank you for being part of our histories. Up next is a song that has the word kiss on it in the sense that it's the band kiss. Rob Zombie helped produce this. He was doing a tribute album for the Ramones and it later wound up on a kiss album. Do you remember rock and roll radio? 
all-American half pound, sweet pure beef patty, lettuce, tomato, this is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the remote. This was on one of the symphony different versions. I think the blue mm-hmm. cover. Mm. See, Kiss was ahead of the trend. You could buy different covers and different things. And now Paul McCartney's releasing 83 different versions of his McCartney yeah. three album. Literally. Like yeah. there's a color for every color in the rainbow in the spectrum. He's putting a different version out, which is weird because I think about like Phil, I don't want to lose you, but you know, comic books, right? Yeah. Okay, there's that first issue, uh, the first appearance of Spider-Man, right? It's Amazing mm-hmm. Fantasy, what, 14, Gary? Oh, gosh, yeah, I think so. But but there's certain comic book covers that, like, you see the first appearance of Superman, you see the first appearance of Batman. These things mean something, right? It's, right. Uh, I'm sorry, Ken, it is Amazing Fantasy 15. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up, comic book guy. But the thing is, is that that cover on Amazing Fantasy number 15 with the first appearance of Spider-Man is not special because it's a great cover, but because of its significance, right? Yeah. We now live in a time when there is no longer comic books being printed that have one cover because they all have multiple covers now. So which one is the one that's going to be iconic? 10, 20, 30 years from now. The same thing with albums. Mm. There are now albums coming out with like five or six different covers. Which one is the official one, right? Yeah. yeah. Ace Ace had two or three versions of Origins Volume 2. I think more like it just 10. just came out. <laughs> yeah. It was like one had one had gold, uh, gold lettering, one had blue, one had some different shots of Ace on the front, and yeah, there's all kinds of different and with McCartney, with McCartney three, I think each of those t- covers has a different bonus track on it. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's a different track listing. I just ordered from CD Japan the version there because it's got like four tracks that won't be on anything else until a year from now when a box set is put out with McCartney 3 Plus. Three plus one equals four. Exactly. Yeah. So then it would be McCartney four, right? And then you can buy the McCartney box set, which has McCartney one, two, three, and a plus in it. You can rebuy it all again. Yeah. But it's just weird because what becomes the iconic thing, right? But let's get back to our track. Do you remember Rock and Roll Radio, song by the Ramones? This is Kiss, and we've got Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer on it. So pretty cool. Uh, Phil Schausch, your thoughts on Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio by Kiss? Absolutely love it. I remember being excited to hear. I'm a big Ramones fan, too. And I was really excited when I heard about this coming out. And I heard about it pretty early and, and heard it. And, man, I just absolutely loved it. I think it's a great version of the song. Uh, another throwback to their love of, of that kind of rock and roll, which the Ramones is just a throwback to that kind of rock and roll. Uh, just more beefed up, and I love it. I think they did a great job. Uh, I love how they trade off vocals. Love it. Love 100% of it. It's almost everything that you loved about some of the older Kiss stuff, you know. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, which is was so great. And now there's a horn section on it, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, they really, they, right. really, they really did it true to the original, but it sounds like Kiss enough. It's, uh, yeah, I really, really like this one. One of my favorite of their cut of this list for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Gary. Yeah. Same. I, I, I'll echo what, uh, what Phil said, but I, you know, I, the, the horn thing, right. Is my, my, my second favorite band by a hair is pink Floyd. And that's Scott mm-hmm. page on saxophone. He was the horn player for pink Floyd back in the eighties. And so to have that little, that connection for me was very special. I really liked hearing him on the track and oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was great. Um, and I was so hungry at that time for any new recording by Kiss. I love the Ramones, so it, this this really helped. But um, you know, Psycho Circus came and went. They did the the song for the movie, um, Detroit Rock City movie, and then it was nothing can keep me from you. Right, exactly. And and then it was nothing, and there was no promise of a new studio album. So anything that they did in the studio, any new music from Kiss was awesome. And this is a great yeah. cover. Yeah. Great, great, great stuff. What about you, Ken? Love it. Uh, to me, uh, I always felt like Kiss and the Ramones understood each other. Like there was a mutual appreciation yeah. society. Like, for example, the Ramones having their individual names, you know, uh, being taken over by the group, if you will. <laughs> like if, if Phil, yeah. you would have been Phil Ramone, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have been Ken Ramone and Gary Ramone over there. So we're the new Ramones, which we should start a band called the new Ramones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be hilarious. So anyway, but alas, I digress. Um, I love this version. It's a great, great song. And it just makes me feel good to hear it, to be honest with you. It's that our last song and there was some fighting because we were going to try to Gary and I got into a massive fist fight. He pulled That's a knife it. on me, uh, but we were going to possibly include the ascot fives. Don't touch my ascot <laughs> off of the Scooby-Doo, which if kiss oh, doesn't, if, yeah. if kiss does not record anything more, that's the last thing that kiss recorded as a group. Mm-hmm. 
So we've got to have one more album come out. Something. I mean, can can you top that though? I mean, really? It's, I don't it's know. <laughs> I don't know. But our next song is something that you either really love or you really don't care for. The album is The Art of McCartney. And there, if you just go buy The Art of McCartney, the single disc version, you will not get this song. It is on the deluxe version of The Art of McCartney, which came with two different CDs. This is Venus and Mars. And I normally play a little bit of the other songs that Kiss have covered, the original versions. But in this case, I'm going to play a little bit of Venus and Mars. The reason for that is because not many Kiss fans have heard this. Since this is on a bonus disc, not even all the McCartney mm-hmm. fans have it. Not even, you know, so not all the Kiss fans have it. Not all the McCartney fans have it. And I don't even think you can find this on Spotify right now. So, you know, who knows? But it's it's even hard to find on M- on, on YouTube every once in a while. And... Uh, so here is some of Venus and Mars with Gene and Paul doing the vocals. This song is labeled as done by Kiss, but as fate would have it, everybody that's on this compilation is using Paul McCartney's backup band as the band. 
So it's incredibly faithful to what Paul McCartney does on stage or what was done on the album. So much, in fact, that one of the biggest complaints about this album is it says a lot of people will say that it sounds like the artist doing karaoke. So, for example, when you have Heart, which is only Anne and Nancy, it sounds like them covering Paul McCartney on a karaoke night or Alice Cooper singing uh, Eleanor Rigby or uh, Cheap Trick doing a song, it, it's, which was Rick and Robin. So it sounds like them doing Paul McCartney karaoke. So there you go. I mean, Rick got to play guitar on it at least. But this is pretty much just Gene and Paul on vocals. Phil, your thoughts on Kisses, Venus and Mars? I didn't know this existed until you sent me the list like last week. And I said, I said, Venus and Mars, what? And so I found it on YouTube. And yeah, I really I liked it. Um, and I like it because you know I kind of know how much those guys love the Beatles. And I love McCartney. I love how they gave the soft vocal to Gene in the beginning. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, I didn't know it was his guys. It was Paul's guys playing. And I was like, whoever played the instruments, this is, this is perfect. Like, oh, because the, the beginning is very intricate with that acoustic guitar part. I still can't play it right perfectly. Um, yeah, it's dead on. I mean, it does sound like karaoke. Um, mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I kind of want to hear that. I'd get pissed off if it wasn't exactly like the McCartney song. There's certain things you don't change uh, when you're covering them. Beatles and McCartney are kind of in that group. Uh, so, yeah, I really liked it. And it was fun to hear something new. Uh, I just heard this a few days ago for the first time. So it's always fun hearing something they do, uh, especially when it's a song that I love anyway. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. It was fun. It was cool. I'm going to get the rest of the record now that I know what it is. Fantastic. Gary Schaller, your thoughts? They did a great job. The, the singing is really good. And that band is unbelievable. I, I had the privilege of seeing Paul live with that band. Yeah, just incre- incredible band. Uh, and, and yes, the, the split up of the vocals, anytime you get the lead vocals from Gene and Paul in the same song, to me, that's really special. Um, mm-hmm. and, they, and it's a great song. They did a great job. So it's a neat, um, it's it's a neat homage. Really good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ken, what about you? I mean, the, the, like, the Beatles are argued undoubtedly, right? Your favorite band, maybe up there with the Monkees, I guess. No, they they are. The Beatles are. That's it. Yeah. It's okay. just as simple as that. Everything else is came out of the tree that they planted, right? So. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, so this for you, you like? I love. But I love it for many reasons. I, You and I are going to discuss this in an episode that we have coming up where we discuss about how I've always felt like this song was about Kiss and about Alice Cooper mm-hmm. and about David Bowie and things like that because mm-hmm. you're seeing no longer the rock star – Four guys in suits and beetle boots getting up on stage, but people dressing up as monsters and <laughs> putting on this insane show. And yep. uh, if you listen to the lyrics, they might as well be talking about Kiss in this yeah. right. for all intents and purposes. It's great to hear, but like I said, I almost, in the sense that we had God Gave Rock and Roll to You, where it was Kiss like kind of reinterpreting that song a bit, I almost would have liked to have heard what Kiss would have done musically with venus and mars but it's great i love the fact that uh, gene and paul got to smile at one another and say we fucking are on a mccartney album can Mm -hmm. you believe that 
Yeah, that was I know that was a big deal for those guys. That was that, that's very cool. I mean, I I don't know for sure that that conversation happened, but I'm I would bet money on it because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, these guys look at the Beatles and all the music from that time as like their uh, their mother's milk, if you will. You know. Yep. So. It's great stuff. So let's go down the track one more time. If you want to put this compilation together, Kiss in Time, Then She Kissed Me, Any Way You Want It, New York Groove, Tossing and Turning, When You Wish Upon a Star, 2000 Man, Odyssey, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, Star Spangled Banner, Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio, and Venus and Mars, and that is the weirdest Kiss compilation album that you can probably put together. I would listen. I agree. I've listened to it also, but yeah, it is a, an eclectic mix. So bizarre. So when people think about Kiss, they don't think about the covers that they've done. The covers that they have done, usually like in the sense of New York Groove, even the Odyssey and uh, 2000 Man have kind of become their own, right? They're, 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 they're their own beast, if you will. Yeah, for sure. New York Groove, is it? Yeah, totally. They're all those, uh, they become Kiss songs or you know, in the KISS catalog primarily. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, I want to thank you for coming on the show. First, let's plug your show. Phil Schaus has a video podcast on the YouTubes, which is the MTV of our times. Yep, it's called Schaus Rules. Uh, I'm way behind on editing, but I've got plenty of good interviews uh, in the can. Uh, I have to get to, I have to get hot. <laughs> I have to get to work on. Uh, my next one's going to be Joey Molland. Oh, from Badfinger. From Badfinger, yeah. I got to talk to Joey a few weeks ago about his new record, which is great. So that's going to be coming out soon. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Shouse Rules. We got a Facebook page, too. So go follow that and go uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I'll have some more, hopefully, in, uh, in by in a couple weeks. I'll have some more shows out and some more information. Also, we've got the Kissmas Masquerade happening in Sarasota, Florida, December 18th and 19th. If you can't be there in person, you can buy uh, live stream tickets right now for $12 for the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. Go to Kissmas2020, Kissmas2020.com for all information. Fantastic. And uh, as far as people catch, catching your show, I want you folks to know that this is not just a podcast. It's not just Phil talking to someone, though that happens in the thing. This is Phil pulling a Johnny Carson. This is Phil pulling a David Letterman. He comes out. He does the show. He tells jokes at the beginning. He's got segments that he's doing, reoccurring segments. One of the ones I really enjoy is Can It Pick? Can It Pick Slide. Yeah, 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 Can It Pick Slide. And basically, can whatever this thing is that he's doing, can it be used as a pick, right? (laughs) For all intents and purposes. Exactly. So yeah, it's got it's got skits. It's uh, there's a monologue, like Ken said, and there's all kinds of ideas I have for future episodes. I just have to you know get the time to film them, and because I do everything on the show, I um, I write most of it. Courtney Cronin Dold helps me with with some of the jokes, and um, so yeah, I kind of come up with it, edit it myself, shoot it myself. So it uh, it really is Shouse rules. So so it's kind of an in Shouse production. Mm. Absolutely everything is in Shouse. <laughs> shouse it out loud. Yeah, Shouse is the holy. Shout it, Shouse at the devil. I mean, it can go yeah. on forever. So, Shouse, Shouse, let Phil Shouse yeah. out. There it is. Yep, yeah, let Phil Shouse out. 
<laughs> so <laughs> once at again, this point, Phil is like, ha ha. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've made them all. If you can think of a new one that I haven't thought of, that's, that's the thing. Cause I have a list of these girls, girls on Phil. Uh. Um, <laughs> Phil, Phil likes making love. Uh, there's so many that just never really go away. That's good. <laughs> Fantastic. Once again, Kismas Masquerade live streaming event, December 18th and 19th, featuring the Bruce Kulick, Todd Kearns, Rick Derringer, Jean Beauvoir, the Talisman, which is you and Jeremy and Ryan, Enough is Enough, and Kiss America, and more, the famous and more. Those guys work constantly. And Every more, lineup, yeah. it's and more, always is, is playing somewhere. So and yeah, more and, will be there. And more and TBA. I got to get mm-hmm. with their TBA. agent. They're, they play every <laughs> single show I play. My favorite boy band. TBA. <laughs> TBA, yeah. <laughs> so go to www.kissmas2020.com. That's Kissmas. 2020.com $12 be safe we love you Phil we love you Gary I love you uh, right back I at love you. you guys hot okay we will see hot. you all on the next episode of your podcast we'll be back with Andrew Scambetti to talk about his film debuting December 11th so check that out we will be back very soon I know we took a couple months off but here we are we're still percolating still doing the thing still making kiss fun with kiss covers this episode with our guest friend of the show and lover phil shouse thank you for coming on the show today hot (laughs) we will see you phil everybody be good be safe and happy holidays right absolutely thanks for having me again guys it was a lot of fun always a lot of fun with you guys anytime come back come back and uh uh, another good topic because we we talked so much about it on this one. Maybe a show would be uh, the Beatles' influence on Kiss. Ooh. Absolutely, yeah. I'm all for yeah. that. I'm all for That'd that. And I and, and I want to do a Motown Kiss thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, because totally. there's a lot of stuff there. Seriously, we did a lot. Of, we did some Motown covers. Our very first Gene gig, we did a handful in there. So yeah, you guys did big, money. The, we the did, Motown, um, the, the Beatles we did. The did. Roy, we did, yeah, we did the Roy Head tune. We rehearsed some more that we didn't even do. So, yeah. Awesome. Plus, Gene loves to dance. He's got that Chuck Berry, <laughs> look at me, I'm gliding across the floor, twisting yes, that he does. Well, gli- g- gliding, I'll put in quotation marks when it comes to Gene. So. <laughs> yeah, he loves to do that. <laughs> Him and Dwight Yoakam, they both can do that. It's amazing. Yeah, right. Am I, am I right? I mean, you, you've seen it. it. Totally. I'll tell you, have, have you ever seen Dwight Yoakam live? Yeah, watched him side stage at some shows when I did the country stuff. We did a few bills with Dwight. Awesome. I, I just love he'll be just there singing and playing, and he'll just take one step back, and without moving, he can spin around in a full circle without moving. Yep. And he's, he's I don't know how he does it. Him and James Brown, you wonder if they got like something where he activates and butter comes out the bottom of his boots. <laughs> yeah. Just like nothing. Just like on a, on a, on a dime. Just like, just so, uh, you know, who does that too is Brian Forsyth from kicks. He has a great. Yes. Yes. He's awesome. Great spin move that I've copied many, many, many a time. 
Wow, fantastic! And he was on an episode of Pop, and you were too. So check out, yeah, check out uh, my other podcast. We've got Cheap Talk, we've got Zilch, which is all about monkey. Cheap Talk is all about cheap trick, and then there's Pop, which is about everything. So mm-hmm. even a game show. So check it out. So we will see you all in the next episode of your podcast. Say see you, Phil. See you, Phil. <laughs> Be safe. Be safe. You too, Gary. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Phil likes the first time. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. So many. There's so many. So many. That's good. It's good stuff. Fill in the blanks is like my blues band. That's obvious what that is. Do you know what was a great? There was a a glam rock band on Long Island uh, when I was living there, and they they had the best name. The name was Puppets Mean Business. Isn't that a great name for a band? Pu- kind of like Puppets. Puppets mean business. Yeah, but you know that those guys are like big. They might be Giants fans or something. Maybe. I don't know. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Nobody's trying to get laid by naming themselves puppies mean business. No, puppets. Puppets. Oh, puppets. Oh, well, puppets either way. Yeah, Still, nobody's trying to get laid by naming them puppets mean business either. <laughs> the line out the door of chicks was unbelievable. Yeah, they were trying yeah, to exactly. get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>